0: What a blessing! Thank you, dear Nev. It'd be worth coming out tonight just to hear that. Yes. <laughs> wonderful blessing indeed. I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles, please, to Joshua at chapter fourteen. Joshua fourteen. And I'm going to ask Ashish if he would stand up and read to uh, read for us please from verse 6 to verse 15 Joshua 14 verses 6 to 15 please Ashish if, turn around if you turn around I think people will hear you better just be.
1: 15. Right. chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the dead, in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were in there, and how the, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drag them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kedonazite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel.
0: Thank you. Oh, sorry, I'm stopping you from finishing. Verse 15 as well.
1: And the name of Hebron before was Kerjah,
0: Thank you. You'll notice a repeated expression through that reading. Two or three times it's mentioned that this man, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, wholly followed the Lord his God. And this evening we'll just have a little um, character study um, of this, this great servant of God. It's a very valid way of um, getting, of deriving blessing from the Word of God. Studying the characters, the lives of men who are much used of God for His good purposes, and we want to look at. I'd like us to look at this man um, in a few ways. First of all, to see that he lived a surrendered life. We'll speak about that in a moment. But just to break up the um, conceptually what we'll be speaking about, he lived a surrendered life. He also lived a spared life. You remember his generation were passing away. They all went, excepting him and uh, Joshua. He lived a spared life, and there's significance in that. Caleb... Lived a life of strength as well, a strong life. He was at age 85 able to go in and take possession of that area of uh, of the land as it was um, carved up for, between the various tribes, and he knew a satisfied life. Those three, those four, very important aspects, and that happens to be a bit of alliteration to do as well a surrendered life a spared life, a strong life and a satisfied life he was a foreigner actually Um, he's always referred to or often referred to as Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite he wasn't uh, born um, into the um, nation of Israel his uh, father was from outside the circle of God's chosen people but that And and that itself can be helpful for us who were born outside the covenants of promise, born as Gentiles uh, as well as being um, without God and without hope in the world until we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man is referred to as elsewhere and particularly in uh, chapter 14 at verse 24 as having a different spirit, another spirit there was something about this man that distinguished him from his generation. Those of you who know the account remember well how those twelve men went in when Israel reached the border of the land of promise the land that God had covenanted to them hundreds of years earlier and had now brought them to the very border of the land and Joshua sent and uh, Moses sent in the the uh, 12 um, spies to reconnoiter the land and to come back with a report that would be helpful for them in taking possession of it. And um, you'll well recall that out of those 12 men, ten came, they all came back and could report on what a wonderful country it was and how fruitful and so on. But 10 of them were overwhelmed um, by the prospect of confronting a na- nations, not a nation, but nations of giants, people who lived in walled cities and so on and uh, who they didn't um, feel that they would be able to handle. Caleb and Joshua stood out from the from the 12. The two of them um, are recorded as having urged the people to go in and possess the land. And what we're going to say about... Caleb um, and the lesson that we can the lessons that we can take from his very long and fruitful life it, it's all predicated on an early decision this is a man who determined from the outset that he was going to belong to the Lord he was going to be a man surrendered to the will of God he was going to go into that um, situation, trusting the living and true God, and this matter of a surrendered life is recorded beautifully. He he said it himself, and um, verse eight of chapter fourteen: "I wholly followed the Lord my God," and and that showed the new spirit that was in him. He he this was a man who despised half-heartedness. If you if a person could say of himself, "I have wholly." Followed the Lord. I am committed to Christ, is the equivalent for us in our generation. For a young person who can say, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I am here for Him. I am not my own. I am living for Him. And He made that statement I wholly followed the Lord my God. It wasn't a proud boast, He wasn't just um, saying this for notoriety it was more like the Apostle Paul who could, who could speak um, about what the Lord had done through him and ask people to take him as an example of how to live the Christian life this man was able to say without, a lot of, without pride or arrogance or anything that he had wholly followed the Lord he'd handed his life over to the living and true God and um, he was following the pathway of what we would call discipleship for um, Christians now, undeviating obedience to the word of God. And that's one of the things we can take immediately out of um, looking at the, briefly at this man's life, that um, just an intellectual awareness of things spiritual, just an intellectual grasp of even the content of scripture is not what we're speaking about here. We're speaking about a person who has been possessed by that longing to be his, to serve him at whatever the cost. And there's no substitute for that sort of um, submission and obedience to Christ. There's a lovely little book called Fresh Bait for Fishers of Men written by Louis um, Albert Banks. And he tells in here an interesting anecdote which is applicable to this situation. It's about Sir Henry Brackenbury, um, an old British um, war man. He He was a military attaché in Paris, actually, and he was conversing in those days with another famous statesman called Gambetta. And Gambetta said to him words to this effect, In these days there are only two things a soldier needs to know. He must know how to march and he must know how to shoot. Sir Henry's response was rather quick and to the point. Um, Sir Henry replied, I beg your pardon but you've forgotten the most important thing of all. To a French attaché, that probably wasn't very easy to swallow. But uh, he said, oh, what is that? He said, he must know how to obey. Now, there's a, it's a very simple but a profound and, and unchanging truth. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This was a man before his time. This was a man who whose life is a lesson to us in our generation. He did have that personal affirmation. He could say it, not proudly or boastfully, but I've wholly followed the Lord, my God. Now that's challenge number 1 for us. Whether it's true, of you or me, um, we know what the Lord knows. If we have decide, wholly decided to follow the Lord Jesus. I remember when Karen, um, whose surname eludes me now, was being baptised, she um, she had, as that verse um that she was going to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. That's the language of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. And he could say that from the heart. He could bear testimony to that. It's One thing, though, for a man to be able to say it, but the Bible also has not only his affirmation, but Moses attesting to that truth. Moses, the friend of God, he could say at verse nine of chapter fourteen, "You have wholly followed the Lord, my God." Now Moses was an insightful man. Moses was wisely um, endowed by the Lord to lead to lead the nation and uh, have Joshua as his offsider, But also to have chosen this man Caleb to be one amongst those who went into the land as spies. And Moses was probably the best equipped person in that generation to make a judgment about him. And he was able to say that and attest to the truth of what um, Caleb himself was able to claim. And it's one thing for us to be able to bear a testimony of what we think about our own standing before the Lord but does it stand up to scrutiny of somebody who's got spiritual perception, somebody who's in touch with heaven, who can observe the life that we're living and can come uh, come up with either an affirmation or the reverse concerning us? So it was um, affirmed by him. It was attested to by Moses but the greatest and most important thing of all was it was acclaimed that truth was acclaimed by God himself God could say Caleb the son of Jephunneh has, whole, has followed me fully, Numbers fourteen twenty four. this was the testimony of heaven concerning this man and his attitude to the Lord No divided loyalties here. If the Lord is able to say that, that is the final word on it. That's what really matters. And as he examines us, as he looks not on the outward appearance but on the heart of each of us tonight, I wonder in how many instances he could say, so-and-so has followed me fully what a challenge this brings to in our contemporary age where commitments are sort of tentative. We see so often in our society where a commitment even to a marriage bond is abrogated. Sad circumstances come up and things just don't go through. Commitments are tentative and convictions are quite nebulous. Um, in fact, there's hardly, it's hardly a known reality anymore to have a conviction about any matter outside the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Just as an illustration of this point, um, it's recorded of George Mueller, that, gr- that great Christian statesman who was responsible for providing wonderful services, um, notably for children, dependent children in UK. Um, And I came across this this quote from um, a British weekly of many years ago. And this, I'll read it to you. One asked the secret of his service. George Mueller said... "'There was a day when I died, utterly died. "'And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower "'until he almost touched the floor. "'Died to George Mueller, his opinions, "'preferences, tastes and will. "'Died to the world, its approval or censure. "'Died to the approval or blame "'even of my brethren and friends.' And since then I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. That's the sort of thing that we're speaking about here in relation to Caleb. It was a surrendered life. He was yielded to the Lord. He also knew what we can call a spared life. At verse 10 of chapter 14 he could write, The Lord has kept me alive. This is speaking uh, 45 years after the promise was made to him, after the, um, the foray into the promised land had been carried out. The Lord has kept me alive. And those words, I suppose, refer primarily to his longevity But they can't be limited to that because we see Caleb was a man who never stopped growing. Um, I smile inwardly a little when I read his words. Um, Verse 11 As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me just as my strength was then so now is my strength for war both for going out and coming in. What do you reckon, Tom, at eighty-five? <laughs> we would be bugging it on a bit, wouldn't we, if we if we said that. But there's a spiritual sense in which it is true of this dear man. He, the Lord has kept me alive. And we see a person who had who God had spared from the destructive forces that had been at work in the nation and in the lives of his colleagues, actually. He was spared from discouragement. You see, in verse, um, thought, verse 8, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. See, the children of Israel were greatly discouraged. There are testings along the way. There are circumstances that that every Christian is going to encounter that, um, that test out the, the reality and the validity and the uh, strength of our relationship with the Lord. And while they were discouraged when approaching those walled cities of Canaan, Caleb and Joshua were able to take uh, quite a different view of the, sin, of the thing. And the, the scripture says at verse 30 of chapter 13, Caleb quieted the people. There was something about this brother that enabled him to bring a tranquility to the situation that was fomented with um, concern, with worry, with terror um, and disappointment and so on. But he was spared from that sort of discouragement. We've got here 45 years after that event a man who's still saying give me this mountain to possess it. It's one of the most crucial tests not only for young people but for, for any person where there's a natural tendency to crave for popularity and, um, uh, and sort of doing things because every, everybody's doing it. it, it it's easy to, for us to stand in the pulpit and um, knock that sort of thing but it's a very real social reality uh, for us. And and men can be overcome by discouragement in this situation. I remember one of my dear Christian brothers um, in the same department as me who was overwhelmed with some of the things that were taking place. It was a big test for his um, spiritual standing. Um, Well, men who can overcome discouragement are beyond price in our churches and in our offices. And in uh, the the whole of our world. It's the secret of those who know wholehearted surrender to Christ that He's the one who's taking us forward. He knew a surrendered life, He knew the spared life that had uh, and was spared from discouragement and spared from disbelief. Concerning the rest of the children of Israel we read they could not enter in, that's into the land of promise verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 3. They could not enter into the land of promise because of unbelief. Trust and obey. Trust goes with obey and belief and trust in the living God was something that Remained alive through all those years of others falling by the wayside, colleagues who he'd known and um, neighbours who he'd lived next to dying and being buried along the way. It was a very downheartening sort of experience as um, great men were dropping on either side of him as it were and this man was spared from disbelief. Concerning the rest of them, yes, but this man stood out from them. And his attitude was in Numbers 13, verse 30, we are well able to overcome. It's a wonderful truth that wherever God gives a task or entrusts a responsibility, he gives a corresponding enabling. Remember it, young people, that when his calling is upon you in respect of anything, any ministry, any service, it's not a matter of how hard you can try. It's a matter of if the Lord has directed it, the Lord will give the enabling and the guidance to bring about that which he desired. William Bathurst penned those lovely words, Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, though pressed by many a foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any earthly woe. He was spared from discouragement, spared from disbelief, and he was spared from death. Now, there's death was all about him. It was, it, was the, um, it was the lot of that whole generation. They weren't going to get there. They, they, they were going to pass before the promise was going to be fulfilled. Joshua and Caleb remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land, Numbers 14, 38. Moses died. All those 20 years of age and older had died with the exception of Joshua and this man Caleb, and the New Testament confirms this with these solemn words in Hebrews three seventeen, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. Paul, in his reference to the same fact, adds now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. One Corinthians ten verse eleven. That principle of death applies today. Paul warns us in Romans 8.13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And again, we have the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. In this sense, death for the believer is not talking about eternal death, but it means spiritual barrenness. And there's a big danger of us moving forward through the years of our lives and them being marked just by existence, but spiritual barrenness. That was not so for this man. Spared from discouragement, spared from death, And spared from disbelief. Look, I'd love to go on and speak about um, his the strength of his life, and that his it was a satisfied life. We'll have to leave those um, segments of what we can say about this man till later. But just to take on board those two important factors of the four: the first, the matter of surrendered life. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. That's the language. That's Caleb language. That's God-honouring language. That's Saul of Tarsus on, when he gets on the road to Damascus and is met by the Lord. It's that sort of language. All to Jesus I surrender. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price and there needs to be a yieldedness of heart that says amen to that idea. And the fact that we have a spared life, how graciously God has dealt with us. The older we get, some of us have got a good number of years to look back on and say, Ebenezer, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And what a joy to be able to hear our brother at his age to be, Um, playing and testifying to us tonight about this wonderful saviour who he loves and who we love. So those two aspects, a surrendered life and a spared life and the fitting response to that is to wholly follow the Lord our God. Not partially, not substantially, not majority, but wholly follow the Lord our God. Loving Father, how we thank you for your great grace to us the wonder of the salvation that you have provided the cost that has been pra- the price that has been paid for us to be redeemed for us to be able to speak of the gift of god being eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are wonders for which we thank you. And Lord, you know the frailty of our flesh. You know the limits of our humanity. And we pray to you tonight for one another that we might be a company of those who will say at the outset that it's our purpose to wholly follow you. We are looking to you, looking to our Lord Jesus Christ and proclaiming he is Lord. He is Lord, he is Lord, he's risen from the dead and he is Lord and every knee shall bow and we bow the knee of our hearts tonight, Lord, and pray that you will rule over us and take us forward and sustain us through the years of our, our lives that we might serve you in the capacity, and the changing capacities that you entrust to us and go forward into the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty dominion and power, now and forevermore. Amen.